I'm Caleb Kid Coy, Epic Legacy Hero Builder, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Like a Bank. Along with myself, you'll hear from other successful experts and people who are busy serving and empowering many lives. You'll see how we're showing others to become debt-free in record time as they build economic discipline while generating a bulletproof family legacy revenue stream together. We'll learn how to live and operate just like the banks do. What is up, everybody? Caleb Kid Coy here, your alchemized slayer of mediocrity, heroic family legacy builder, and host of Living Like a Bank podcast. And I am fired up today to bring to you a brand new edition of the Business Book Club and an exciting and controversial book. But before we get into things, I would like to welcome Chris back who you will recognize from uh, the 48 Laws of Power Business Book Club discussion. And brand new to our panel today, we'd like to welcome Aileen Clark is in the house. Welcome, Aileen. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic today. Very excited to be here. We are stoked to have you here, Aileen. Are we not, Chris? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's exciting because... Uh, uh, when we invited Aileen into this mix, I got a little bit reprimanded because one of the first things she said to me was, Caleb, why did you not tell me about this book sooner? I think Chris, you had somewhat <laughs> of, a, of a similar reaction as well, which of course uh, made my heart particularly uh, palpitate a little bit, if you will, more than more than normal. But this is, uh, this is a lot of fun. As you can see, guys, you'll recognize probably the name of the author, Napoleon Hill, who was born in 1883 and died in 1970 in the remote mountains of Wise County, Virginia. Napoleon was actually born into poverty, and his mother died when he was only nine years old. A year later, his father remarried. His stepmother became a source of inspiration for the young boy. With the influence of his stepmom, Hill became a newspaper reporter in his teens, and his writings got attention of Robert Taylor, former governor of Tennessee's and later a United States senator. Uh, Taylor did own Bob Taylor's magazine and employed the young Hill to write success stories. At the time, he was enrolled at Georgetown University Law School and in 1908 was assigned to interview the great Andrew Carnegie. So stinking cool. And that three hour interview became one that lasted three days. And while Hill did the interview, Carnegie sold him on the idea of organizing the world's first philosophy of personal achievement based on the principles of success. Now, Carnegie provided Hill with intros to the giants of the time, including Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, and John D. Rockefeller, among many more. And he spent the next 20 years interviewing, studying, and writing about successful individuals. So it would be 20 years after Hill interviewed Carnegie, he wrote the eight-volume Law of Success back in 1928. And he was to write many bestsellers in his lifetime. And of course, in 1937, the most familiar book Hill ever wrote was Think and Grow Rich. There you have it right there in front of you. Transformed so many lives. Chris is holding it up for you. Impacted millions around the world positively to this day. The Napoleon Hill Foundation was born. And then after 72 years in hiding, this extraordinary book came to the surface called Outwitting the Devil, hidden away in the vaults until after Hill's late wife passed away. And uh, Sharon Lecter, who I've had the chance to have a brief conversation with, incredible lady, uh, helped to edit and annotate this book and kind of help modernize it in our you know world of today. And we're just so excited to have this discussion 
and talk a bit about the contents of this book. Chris, I know you're chomping at the bit. Did, uh, did you want to bring any more uh, overview introduction into Mr. Napoleon Hill? No, I, I think you pretty well covered the waterfront. Um, if anything, uh, I'd like to hear from uh, Ms. Aileen about uh, why she wanted to be part of this project. That's, that's kind of what I'd like to hear about. Yes, I, um, like Caleb said earlier, I kind of was, when I was invited to this, I got excited because of the book and I started reading a little bit. Caleb told me this book a while back. He mentioned one of the books that he was reading and it was one of them. And, and I remember when he spoke about it, he said he read that book maybe three or four times. Like he goes back every, almost every year and we read the book. But it, I was like, eh, okay, and moved on. And then he mentioned it again. I was like, okay, let me see. What is that book about? Why is he reading it so many times? So I did read the back of the book. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That's when I jumped on Caleb. It's like, you should have insisted that I read this book. <laughs> and so I really, really love um, uh, enjoying this book. It's like one of those things where knowledge, they say knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. You can't have wisdom if you don't know anything. And everybody, um, my background, I, I'm, I'm not from here. I'm from Africa. And I've been here so many years and I still didn't have enough knowledge. You can live in a place your entire life and know nothing about it because you don't read. It's like a door, it's a window to life. It's a window to everything, reading. And so me reading this book made me feel like I've missed out and I didn't want to miss out anymore. And I don't want people that listen to this information to miss out because just like he says over here, which is something that I highlighted in the book, he said, reading this inspiring book can help you snap out of your lethargy and negative mindness and get you on a new and more glorious path to an ever brighter, better, and more rewarding future. And that is the one thing that, for me, I felt like it was missing out. And you knew everything. Just like this society is designed to, you go to school, you pay, you know, you get a job. And then if you want a better job, you go to more school. But as you read this book, you're going to realize that that is not the case. And a lot of people, it, it's not, it has nothing to do even with the people from my country. A lot of people, that's the thinking that they have. That is the education that we get. Go to school, get a job. Go to school, get a job. If you want another job, go to school more. And then you get a better job. And then you realize that you don't really have to go that path. So I wanted to be part of this so I can share this message. I'm super excited about reading it. I have my whole family is reading it. And I knew, <laughs> I knew this podcast was going to be today. And I was looking for my book all day yesterday. Couldn't find it. And I finally found it on the, on the bottom of my son's bed because he's been reading the, bed, the book. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's like, yes, the whole family is reading the book. I was like, go get your own book. But <laughs> get your own. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, that good. Like, Family members are snatching it. I love it, Aileen. I love yes. it. I love it. That's great. That's great. Awesome. So, so yeah, I'm excited. Are, are we going to talk about why this book was suppressed for 75 years? Let's do, Chris. I would love to. And I don't think anybody says it better than the lovely Sharon Lecter. And if you don't know anything about Sharon's success, uh, she worked with Greg Reed, who's another gentleman I've had the privilege of speaking with in brief. Uh, they co-authored a book called Three Feet from Gold, which is a collaboration of some of the most inspirational life stories. And the origin story being 
uh, a true story about a miner who, you know, put all his money into finding this gold vein and ran out of money and gave up and somebody else came in behind him and turns out that gold vein he was looking for was three feet away. If he would have persisted, persevered, that is the whole mantra behind that. You're only Caleb, just Caleb, three feet from Caleb, gold. Caleb, Go ahead, Chris. Line of that story is the guy who walked away realized that he had made a mistake. Correct. And he didn't let the mistake ruin him because he went on to become one of the most successful um, people in the business of insurance. Huge in his, insurance empire. So he extracted the seed of the equivalent benefit from his failure, which is a really big principle, obviously. Of, Quote from uh, Think and Grow Rich there. Yes, right. sir. Correct. So let's see what Sharon said here. Sharon said, again, if you know who she is, I gave you a bit of a backdrop. Outwitting the Devil is the most profound book I've ever read. I think uh, Chris and Aileen can attest to why she said that. Mm -hmm. I was incredibly honored when Don Green, CEO of Napoleon Hill Foundation, trusted me enough to ask me to become involved in the project. And then I read the manuscript and I couldn't sleep for a week. That's how it impacted Sharon. Written on a manual typewriter in 1938 by the master himself, Hill, the, this manuscript has been locked away in Hill's family for 72 years. Just Chris, this is your question. Why? Because they were frightened by the response it would invoke. Hill's courage in revealing the devil's work around each of us every day in our churches, schools, politics, threatened the very core of society as it was known at the time. When asked why the family had hidden the manuscript, Don Green recites the following inside story. It was the objections of Hill's wife, Annie Lou. She was secretary to Dr. William Plumer Jacobs, president of Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina, not too far from us. Jacobs also owner of Jacobs Press and public counselor to a group of South Carolina textile firms. Uh, he hired Hill to come to Clinton to work for him, and Annie Lou did not want the book published because of the role of the devil. She feared the response from organized religion and maybe for Hill's job. And even though Hill died in 1970, Annie Lou did not die until 1984. And upon her death, the manuscript came into the possession of Dr. Charlie Johnson, then president of the Hill Foundation. Charlie was nephew of Annie Lou Hill, and Charlie's wife Frankie knew and shared Annie Lou's feelings. Frankie told Charlie she did not want the article published while she was alive either. Man, these guys were afraid. Charlie's wife passed away a couple of years ago, and Charlie finally gave me the manuscript bound in red leather and embossed with the letters, outwitting the devil in gold on the cover. The foundation believes the manuscript has a powerful message that needs to be shared. So moving forward, that is why it is finally coming to the limelight. And um, so what the heck are they so afraid of? Yeah. And, what and were they? Part of it there, right? You said part of it on the thing. Yep. But uh, highlight it for us, Chris. Well, I mean, and uh, not not plot spoiler, really, but just like looking ahead, we're going to talk about this a lot more. But what is the role of the schools, hmm. of organized churches, of politics, as you said? or And even, I think, probably for me, the most controversial is parents. Hmm. And I mean, all of that's very challenging to a lot of different assumptions, right? And so you can see, especially back in the 1920s and 30s, but one of my questions here, one of the big things I want to talk about in almost every podcast over this series is, has anything changed? You know, because it says that 2% of the people work in, and that's, it's a number, right? I mean, it, it's, but that's what the, that's what the devil said. And, and by the way, I don't, let's just get this out of the way. It doesn't really matter whether you think that there was a, the literal devil 
that talked to Napoleon Hill or whether he made it up in his mind. Either way, it amounts to the same thing, because according to the book, the literal devil in that story doesn't have a material physical existence. It's like the negative side of energy. It's just the negative side of the atom, right? So how's that different than if it's his imagination? Either way, it's the same thing. So just like the book says, let's look at just what it said. If we just look at it as, okay, I'm fine with, great, Napoleon Hill's an author. He made up this character, the devil. He made up this other character, Mr. Earthbound, and they have this interview. Fine. He's actually derivative of um, the brothers uh, Karamazov and from Dostoevsky and the Grand Inquisitor and uh, Ivan's poem that he reads to Alyosha. We'll talk about that more too. <clears throat> Thank you, Michael. Spot on. Yes, uh, I, I'm just going to piggyback on what Chris said. It's funny because that title kind of scared me. And that's the reason why the first time Caleb mentioned something, I dismiss it. Because the title, Outwitting uh, the Devil. And my and the reason why I dismiss it is because in my, uh, what I was thinking, it was a little devil. That he was going to talk about some crazy, kind of crazy stuff that he was going to talk about. But I was like. Well, I know Caleb, and he's not a crazy kind of person. I don't think he will read that topic. I see you laughing over there. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> That's why I went and read the book, because I was like, he won't read those kind of crazy books about all kinds of crazy stuff, because I, I, I kind of, I think I know a little bit about him. And then I went back and started reading about the book, and I realized it's not the little devil. It is the inner person as we were going to get into it. And then I was like, wow, this is profound. This is amazing. And to, to, to quote what's in the book, this is what it says about this book. And this is like, a, I hope I'm not jumping the gun, Caleb, because I want to read like a quote. You're, from you're okay. Go ahead. Okay. Let's talk about this book, even though written in 1938, was actually meant to be published today. Mm-hmm meant to rock our society today. It was intended to provide answers during this uncertain economic economic and spiritual time. It provides the key for each of us to await the devil in our own life. Mm -mm -mm. It shows us how to chart a course of success and to add value to the world around us through the, the process. I mean, these words, it feels like it's just every word in this has a heavy, heavy weight, heavy meaning for me because of exactly what's going on in the world today, spiritually, economically. It's terrible. We're living in times where you're scared of what tomorrow is going to look like. You're scared of what, if you survive tomorrow, what about your family? You're scared. You're, you're so uncertain. Yes. And then this world comes and you read them and then you go, and it gives you something as to kind of continue living. And this, this is amazing. I really, really enjoy reading this book. This is amazing. It, it, it is creepy how, how similar the world is today to mm -hmm. how it was back in 1938. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they had just had the, the Spanish flu, uh, think COVID, right? I mean, um, they just had World War I. Uh, we've got the biggest war we've had since World War II going on in Ukraine. Uh, they just had this economic disaster, uh, you know, after 20 amazing years of economy, we, we just recently had a, a pretty big economic disaster fairly recently here. And, and there's no guarantee that it's over. Right. Either. That's a whole nother podcast, I guess. We're not going to get into that per se right now. Mm -hmm. But 
I think when we look at this book, it is really important what Aileen was saying, that this isn't some interview with like some guy with a pitchfork, you know, and like a, a red tail or something like, like a Halloween costume. It has nothing to do with that. Right. It's about, there's a, a, a negative and a positive side of stuff, right? Atoms, protons, neutrons, all of that. And so the book in a way talks about how we have to like basically just wake up and pay attention. I think there's a, I don't have it written down in front of me, but when, uh, when Mr. Uh, Earthbound tells the devil, Hey, come on, forget all that, all that other stuff. Just sum it up for me in one sentence. And to paraphrase, the devil basically says, if there was one thing that you could do that would prevent me from having power over you, that's what it's really, that's what the book's really about. Right. Is mm -hmm. like, understanding this book we can understand how to not let the negative side of ourselves have power over us which is what we're really talking about forget the devil i think it's a common thing to say like oh we all have a dark side right so for i think people say that all the time it's like one of those just things that people say these days they're like oh yeah yeah everybody's got a dark side okay what are we going to do about it to quote martin luther you can't stop the birds of temptation from flying overhead, but you can prevent them from making a nest in your hat. And I like that, Chris. Yep. So uh, that's kind of, I think, what uh, what Napoleon is uh, showing us through his character, the devil. Uh, we're getting some feedback. Sorry about that, guys. Somebody burned a toast in my house. I'm sorry. That's oh. okay. Oh, I just oh, couldn't oh, tell sorry. what I was hearing there. I was like, <laughs> the aliens have landed. And Chris, you you brought up because Michael, you popped this up a couple times. Uh, this quote from this book: "Fear is a tool of a man-made devil." Okay, mm -hmm. so I, I love that. You know, Hill emphasizes the fact that this is what we're dressing, tying it into what you both have said, right? And what we what we've seen during these different eras of time and history. You know, especially now with the uh, assault that is on a regular basis through right media and channels where we're visually seeing right fear-based stories coming at us every which direction. What does it, what does it cause us to do oftentimes, right? Shrink back, mm -hmm. procrastinate, right? Be, be come, you know, draw back into our shell. And what we hear he'll talk about specifically in this book is that's whatever, you know, the powers that be are wanting us to happen. I think it was you and I, Chris, that we talked about probably a more fitting title maybe would have been outwitting the adversary. And again, regardless of who we see this devil, this entity as, right, we all have our own insecurities to confront. We all have our own, you know, other self, this light, dark side that wants to take control of us. So who are we allowing that power to dominate us through? Chris, do you want to give us a, a, a bit of the foundation on the relationship to Carnegie? I know we touched on it on the introduction, but okay. this was this was the pivotal turning point really for Hill as he journeyed down this path was his introduction to Dale Carnegie. Uh, Andrew Carnegie. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew Carnegie. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dale's a Gale's a great guy yeah. too, right? But Andrew, another, this another, another great guy, another great guy, right? Uh, but um, but yeah, when um, he got assigned, as you said earlier, uh, when uh, he got the assignment, the assignment of a lifetime, right, to go interview Andrew Carnegie, and um, as Sharon Lecter points out in the book, uh, for those who haven't read the book, I mean, we know, but I'm just pointing out for the audience that, like, when you look at Andrew Carnegie's wealth at that time, 
I forget the exact figure, but it was like five, six X what Jeff Bezos would be worth right Mm. now. You know, like just his relative amount of money that he had makes any billionaire today look like small peanuts. So pick your favorite billionaire. They were, they want to grow up to be what Andrew Carnegie was uh, when Napoleon Hill had the chance to interview. And so he's, he's pretty young when he goes in and he's doing this interview and he says um, that, uh, you know, he's going to come in and, and, and talk. And so we're going to get into the details of it in the next chapter. Right. But he basically gives him a challenge. Okay. And he says, that's a good idea, kid. And if you're going to do it, why don't you do it bigger? And so let's leave it at that for now, because uh, we're going to talk about all of that in our next episode of uh, exactly how that played out and then how that worked out in Napoleon Hill's life. So really, in our next episode, we're going to get a pretty detailed biography of the meaty part of Napoleon Hill's life. Uh, so tune in next time for that episode. Perfect, Chris. And that's what I wanted was that teaser right there. As you can see those chapters, guys, we are going to cover them chapter by chapter in these podcast episodes and um, share our personal feedback and experiences. And then as a whole, how we feel like you guys can most benefit and implement as Aileen so eloquently said at the beginning, this knowledge, which if properly applied, will become the wisdom to help you not drift through life in the future. So we appreciate you tuning in. As always, like, subscribe to the podcast, share it with some friends, guys. These are uncertain and volatile times we are living in. Let's help empower one another to rise above and become competent legacy heroes. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning into the show. Please be sure you subscribe on YouTube for the podcast on anchor.fm and follow me on social media at Metalpreneur. If you're ready to talk about building your own bank, use the QR code or go to rebrand.ly slash build a bank. Be sure and join us for the next broadcast as together we learn to live and operate just like the banks do.